This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss. The lore in the making. Luckily... Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision. Every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Janine, I'm the food editor, and I'll be your host for this episode. This week we'll be sharing tips on how to cook with seaweed. Alex and Sarah are chatting about all things Caribbean, and I'll be doing battle with Chief Sub Gregor over who has the best Italian recipe. Now, seaweed is becoming more and more popular on menus, but it's not the first ingredient you'd reach for on the weekly shop. I asked cookery writer Anna to give us some tips on how to cook it at home. Okay, so Anna, we've all seen seaweed on the beach. Um, <laughs> we've probably ate a little bit of seaweed-type stuff in our sushi, but yeah. um, there's a lot more to it, isn't there? There is. So um, I've brought a few for us to try today. Oh, great. <laughs> um, but yeah, traditionally it is thought of in Japanese cooking, yeah. so uh, with sushi or flavouring stocks and soups. Um, or even in Chinese restaurants, there's the crispy seaweed deep oh, fried, yeah. but that's not actually oh, seaweed. Oh, no, I, I heard that's not actually, it's, it's fake, isn't it? What it's, do they use? It's either spring cabbage or kale, oh, okay. essentially. So, yeah. But it's lovely and crispy. It I is. love that. With the uh, dried fish flakes on top. I wish you'd brought some of that I know, for me to I'm eat sorry. today. <laughs> so there has been some interesting smells in the office today. Um, but also, so it's becoming a lot more well-known um, sea vegetables yeah. and eating them on their own rather than just a flavour enhancer as the umami people have started eating them as side salads such as the wakami side yeah. salad it's quite um on trendy menus now as well it isn't is, it? i yeah. think it's the texture thing as well which is why it's always been quite popular in asia yeah it's got that almost al dente yeah. sort of crunch to it and it's also really healthy as well so a lot of people are picking up on the okay. health benefits of eating it so you get what it's Packed with vitamins or... Yeah, packed with vitamins, minerals, also really low in fat. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to cook at home as well. 
So the the ones I'll talk about three today. There's oh, cool. there's um, kombu, nori, and dulse. So kombu to start with is essentially it's what makes the base of a miso soup. Okay. So it's a it's a like a stock cube. Oh, okay. Like a seasoning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it also it gives that mm. umami to soups and stocks and things. But you can also buy it fresh as well. Uh, Waitrays are now selling it fresh, so you can wrap fish in it and bake it for sort of an added flavour or even add it to dipping sauces, which is really nice. Sort of like a ponzu, you could add the kombu to... So how do you? How would you do that? I mean, so in a stock, I guess you just you just boil the kombu, because it comes... Is it a sheet? Yeah, it's, it, you, it's, so if you buy it fresh or dried, it comes as like a long, flat sheet, okay. so it's quite a fat seaweed. Um, and you would just add it into a large pot of water, and it would okay. essentially act like a bay leaf or, you know, like a stock cube or something, and then you take it out at the end. Yeah. Um, so the same if with a dipping sauce, you'd probably take it out at the end. So it's more like oh, a flavour yeah. enhancer. So, yeah, so you're just kind of marinating whatever it is with, with the kombu and then removing it. So you don't actually yeah. eat the kombu. No, no, okay. yeah, this is this is the Purely one which flavoring. is just, yeah. the, just the flavour. But if you, the dried one, you can actually eat. So I've seen it being finely shredded in biscuits and crackers and oh, things. So, but it is quite a tough one, so it has to be really finely shredded. Yeah, okay. But it's great for cheese crackers and things like that because it's that added. <clears throat> it gives that like salty yeah. edge to it. Yeah, it's cool. really good. And then we have the classic well-known nori, which is um, thin sheets of the edible seaweed. That's um, So it's shredded mm-hmm. and then dried in a really flat sieve, essentially oh. like you make paper. Yeah. And so that's how they make it paper Oh, so thin. that's when you get the little sushi sheets. They're the, that gorgeous kind of glittery yeah. green sort of, and you can see all the little shreds of um, seaweed within it. Oh, yeah. I didn't so, know that. So it's, um, they're on the sheets and then dried. But you can also use these for, so not just for sushi, you could sort of um, snip them into little shards and add them to stir-fries or oh, salads or something. Okay. And they just give you that texture again and yeah. a little bit of crunchy. And we also have a great recipe for crumbling it over popcorn. We do. A, yeah. I remember when we made that. That was brilliant. <laughs> with a bit of wasabi powder as well. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it can, you can use it in sweet or savoury So well. you can just eat that straight off the bat. Yeah. You don't have to do anything to it. They actually sell snacking nori as well. So it's like oh, a healthy yes. alternative to yeah. crisps. So you can just yeah, eat yeah. them straight cool. straight out of the bag. And then we also have dulse, which is more traditionally um, Irish or Icelandic. So you eat it with butter in Iceland mm. or in Ireland, it's dried and then added to soda bread or just eaten as a bar snack. And I actually have some for you here for you to I can try. See, I can smell it from here. It's quite pungent. So a, free, a freelance recipe tester, Adam, has been to Belfast this weekend and Ooh. brought us some back <laughs> oh, to try. It's quite heady and uh, it smells very much of the sea. So you got this from Belfast and it, yep. it's just it's just sort of chewed on as a snack. Yeah, it's so quite, it's a beer snack. It's quite rubbery. <laughs> I'm going to need a tiny bit because otherwise I'll tune on it for the rest of the podcast. So it's very salty, but it's almost got, it's a really satisfying texture because it's quite chewy. It kind of gets more chewy as you get into it. Yeah. But that is literally like... Just seaweed. You can actually, you can pick the seaweed, you can pick dulse off the rocks. That tastes so completely like I've just picked that up. Yeah, a rock in Cornwall. It's actually quite scary. I've never had that before. That is quite fascinating. And how, what, what did you say they would cook that into to bread? Soda bread, yeah. Oh, nice. So you dry it and then shred it and put it into soda bread or just eat it as it, as it is. God, that's, I mean, the, the, the texture and the flavour is so completely, um, 
it's exactly what you would expect. It's it's just it's just seaweed that's been dried yeah. out. Yeah, it's amazing. that's the authentic yeah. version. That's hardcore. Um, and I've also <laughs> so I've also got some seaweed tagliatelle here. Mm. So uh, going on from the vegetable no carb trend. Yeah. So this one's by Seymour and it's called Icy Pasta. Mm. And it's just 100% organic seaweed and you just soak it in boiling water for 20 minutes. And on the back it says you can add, you know, whatever topping you want or you could have it as a salad or something. It's but quite it's- interesting because it looks like tagliatelle and then it's got little bubbles on it, kind of like, like I don't know, like you would get on an octopus or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange looking. I'm going to have a tiny little bite of this. It's a texture thing. I quite yeah. like it because it's it is that classic tagliatelle yeah. al dente. But I don't know if I would. It's definitely got it. a bite. Um, yeah, I it's really interesting. I think a small amount of it with some kind of dressing on as a salad would be nice. I'm not sure I'd want it with a hot sauce. I, I find it quite um, yeah. quite challenging. That's that, a creamy sauce probably yeah. wouldn't go. But I mean, if you had some butter and some prawns and a bit of uh, lemon zest. Oh yeah, or yeah. See, so like complementary flavors, and then yeah. you're like just building up that sort of fresh seasidey flavor. Yeah. I mean, you know. Where we we do it too. Everyone is making pasta out of everything these days, yeah. vegetables and their seaweed. So that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so there's also, um, if you're interested in learning a bit more about seaweed, there's a new seaweed book out this week by Zar Milner. Sorry if I've um, pronounced that wrong, but it's a really great recipe book that's full of um, great ideas for using some of the seaweeds that I've just oh, mentioned. Wow. So including loads of butters and salads, but it's also got loads of prep methods as well. So how to dry and store okay. your seaweed. So that's the, that is a book to go for if you really want to, if you want to like gen up on this subject yeah. and get really expert at it. It looks great. And there's yeah. some really nice pictures in there as well. So. Yeah. It's really, it is, it's almost like a foraging handbook as well with loads of great recipes. Like there's a beetroot seaweed hummus dip. Oh, that sounds good. sounds really nice. Macro mm. pate with dulse. I have to say, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of seaweed, but, um, You've definitely given me a bit more of insight into how to how to approach it. I'm not yeah. as scared of it as I was before. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so maybe um is it by Zarmil in the seaweed cookbook? Go yeah. for that if you if you want to be a bit more expert on it. Or just go out there and try some of the yeah. um, the ones that we've mentioned. And there's some other recipes as well on olivemagazine.com and we've got a great recipe for a maze, which is a restaurant in London for poached sea bream with ginger shiitake and enoki mushrooms, but that's got the dashi broth, which uses the kombu, and it's got a, a sort of a dried seaweed salad. Yeah. So it's a great uh, method if you want to sort of experiment with making your own seaweed salad. I think dashi broth, I love Japanese food, and the dashi, the sort of broth that, in fact, when you walk into a Japanese restaurant, that's often what you can smell, which yeah. is the dashi cooking away in the background because it's used as a base for so many dishes. Um, so that's, that's one thing I could definitely get behind, yeah. Well, thanks very much, Anna. That's no really brilliant. Thank you. Thanks. This week, it's Caribbean Food Week. So Alex and Sarah are here to tell us where to bag the best Caribbean street food and, more importantly, what to drink with it. Okay, so this week is Caribbean Food Week. It is indeed. And Alex is our <laughs> resident street food expert. Um, so she's going to tell us kind of where to get the best Caribbean street food because there's loads of it around now. Yeah, there? there's there's loads. Um, 
we actually are lucky enough to be um, right down the road from um, the Hammersmith Market in Lyric Square. That's very dangerous. And on Thursdays, don't we, we go quite a lot. And um, one of the vendors there is um, a Guadalupian uh, street food stall called Bocketla. Yes, I've he- I haven't tried this myself, but no. I've heard a lot about yeah, it. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's... Um, so three swimmers, ex-swimmers uh, from Guadeloupe, uh, Thierry, Julian and Nicolas, set it up. And then um, they have created, well, they've brought the Bocket, which is a Creole burger created by working class French Caribbeans um, to, to London, really. And it's made of um, crisp, pit-like deep fried dough, Ooh, which is amazing. Yeah, so good. And it's stuffed with like, silky aubergine and salt fish Yum. or chicken. You can, you know, choose your toppings. Um, but they all have this really great bespoke Creole sauce, which is a salsa of chopped tomatoes and onions with like really zesty lime and garlic and sweet chili. Yeah, it's really great. And then it's ramped up even more with the homemade uh, Creole chili sauce, which comes in five heat levels, depending on how daring you're feeling. I'm I'm a bit of a wuss when it comes to chili sauce. Um, but um, I always play Janine, it safe and just like go down the middle. You can't go too far wrong. Pardon? You just go straight down the middle. Go for three. Yes. Yeah. Well. Well. Um, Janine is our resident chili sauce fan. She <laughs> yeah. she always gets the the, the spiciest. Hot. So I think she tried that one. Um, but it's really fun going because um, it takes a while because they're so popular. Mm. Um, but the guys are like dancing around as they cook the meat, and they um, it's really really good. So go go down to Hammersmith. Street food's all about. It's about having a bit of fun, isn't it? And exactly, like, you know, and getting to know the people who are cooking food yeah. for you. So can you get them anywhere else? Uh, yeah, you can also get them at Brixton Market on Fridays and Amazing. Saturdays at the Oval Farmer's Market. Very good. Um, but as it's Caribbean Food Week, we obviously have to talk about jerk as well. Yes. Because that is the most renowned Caribbean. The you can't talk about Caribbean food without talking about jerk. Can you, you cannot, Sarah. <laughs> um, so um, obviously everybody's take on jerk um, marinade is very different and it's usually... Uh, the meat or the meat or cheese is usually dry rubbed or wet marinated yeah. and it comes in all manner of um, spice mix. So there's usually scotch bonnet chilies in there, uh, spring onions, garlic, ginger, thyme, lime, soy, all spice. And people are quite sorts. protective of their recipes, aren't they? It's kind Definitely. of like closely guarded family secrets. Yeah, yeah. so that's what, that's what a lot of the places in... Um, London, the street food places really have um, going for them because they've got these recipes that have, have been around for, for years yeah. and years. So um, a, a place I love is White Men Can't Jerk. Oh, I love those um, guys. Yes, they're great. Um, and um, they have their own their own spice mix and, you know, they, they protect them so you can't really <laughs> find out what's in it. But um, they have jerk pork rolls with homemade piccalilli and crisp red stripe fried poached chicken Ooh. wings which, That's <laughs> which right up are my <laughs> insanely good they're so great and they're covered in the white man can't jerk sauce and um they also have curried mutton shepherd's pie and uh, they actually have their own custom-made smoking grill called Tallulah which is very <laughs> cute <laughs> but we Amazing. had um we I'm, had that food didn't we yeah in, um, I remember the first time I tried it it was like about a year ago now yeah. um but it was for an Appleton's rum event. And Appleton's is one of the rums that we tasted on our rum podcast um, a couple of weeks back. So go and have another listen at that. Um, but yeah, it's just natural pairing, isn't it? Rum yeah. and 
Caribbean food. Definitely. Particularly something like Appleton's, which is from Jamaica. And those kind of like really potent, punchy rum punches. Yes. We, we actually have a... Um, a recipe on our website um, yeah. from because um, Janine and Anna, our cookery team, went to Boom Burger in Notting Hill. Yes, and they had this rum punch cocktail, and it has Angostura bitters, a grenadine syrup that's homemade, and dark rum, and lots of chopped tropical fruits topped with like ginger beer. So I remember them that's... coming back in and raving <laughs> about this this punch. Um, so it obviously did the trick. Yes, um, but the fun thing with rum punch is you can kind of make it up as you go along. Yeah, as long what, as you've what, got what do you recommend? Rum, obviously, lots of rum. <laughs> <laughs> um, Angostura bitters are a must. Okay. And then you can kind of mix it up. You put a bit of pineapple juice or a bit of orange juice, some grenadine, or just find kind of what works for you. Um, lots of lime as well is, is kind of key. But yeah, it's not just rum that you compare yeah, with. Um, I love Red Stripe. I don't yes. know about you. <laughs> I feel really nostalgic about Red Stripe. I love it. Um, it's you know it's not the best beer. We're no, it's just that it something is, about it. Actually, yeah. the little bottles as well—they're really cute. And whenever I'm having my when I have my white man can't jerk chicken, I yeah. just had a little bottle of that as well. It's amazing. And also, the beer is a natural thing to pair with spicy food because mm-hmm. one of the things to think about when you're um, matching booze and and food, particularly spicy food, is the ABV level. So how much alcohol there is in it, which is why wine is quite a tricky pairing because it tends to be 10% or higher. Yeah. Beers obviously can go that high, but they mm-hmm. tend to be around kind of five, start at 5%. So if you get a kind of just a lager or a pale ale or an IPA that's a bit lower ABV, then that works so nicely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got to remember sweetness works a little bit works nicely with um, spice food as well. So heat and sweet and also keep it low ABV. The kind of maltiness of a, if you go craft and it's got a bit more malts, those kind of sweet notes temper the heat a little bit. So it's good. And also I would say go for, it's a bit controversial, go for an English IPA rather than an American IPA. Because I find that American IPAs are just overhopped. Okay. And that makes them bitter as opposed to the kind of... um, herbal, citrusy, fruity notes that you get from a more balanced English IPA. Okay, so that's going to be a better pairing for... Yeah, that will work jerk. much better, yeah. Mm, well, But we you can't beat Red some... Stripe, really, can you? No, I'll definitely be having that some <laughs> Nottingham Hill Carnival this weekend. Yeah, classic. S- speaking of which, we can't t- talk about jerk chicken without Mama's Jerk Station. No. Have you ever tried it? I have. It, it is, is incredible. brilliant. So I don't know if um, our listeners know about Mama's Jerk, but... Um, the, the legend behind it is Mama Charlotte, who um, was known to everyone in her Jamaican village as just as Mama. And she created her own secret jerk barbecue mar- marinade recipe in her farmhouse using all like homegrown spices and ingredients. And her grandchildren have uh, done us all a favour and brought it over to London. <laughs> so you can definitely catch us at the carnival yeah. with a red stripe and some <laughs> jerk chicken. <laughs> Can't wait. And the other thing is, if you want to find more about Caribbean food, we've got lots of stuff online. We um, we've got uh, Best Places to Eat in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the November issue, which comes out on 7th of October, um, we've got a piece about St. Kitts and Nevis. Lots of other stuff online, lots of jerk recipes, lots of Caribbean food recipes. Yes. So yeah, check it out on olivemagazine.com. Thank you. Now Book Wars, and I'm going head-to-head with Gregor to decide who has the best Italian recipe up their sleeve.
So, Gregor, it's summer again, still. Yes, still. Baking outside. It is. Particularly today, it's 29 degrees. It is, it's In the city. Beautiful outside, outside the office. It's nice, yeah, yeah. And we're talking about Italian recipes, because Italian recipes, to me, are all about the summer months. Those amazing veg. Yeah, can be meat, yeah. 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 Although although it's, it's... Tuscan recipes, they can be quite nice and wintry. There's lots of sausage, there's lots of game. That's true, actually. And I have chosen, I've actually chosen recipes that have got no fetching at all. So (laughs) I'm just completely contradicting myself, but that's fine. We can can roll with it. We can. We can can do that. Um, So I'm... I'll champion my book in a minute. Let's get started with yours. Who, who are you talking about this week? Well, uh, my the Italian book that I've used most often is the is River Cafe Cookbook Easy, okay. which came out in 2003. It's a classic. It is a classic, yeah. And the, the other two that came out, I think I think it was two that came out before that, were, were more complicated, more difficult. Um, there, there was the early days of my uh, culinary journey, at least in the kitchen. Yeah. I, you know, I'd started eating a long time before then. <laughs> but um, but anyway, that was just while I was sort of learning to cook. And, yeah. I, and, and there was, you know, a lot of um, Italian recipes in lots of other books that I had and in in, uh, in magazines, newspapers, etc. that I used. The thing is that most of them, I think, were had been, had been influenced by that point yeah. by the River Cafe. Um, lots of chefs have gone through the River Cafe kitchen. Lots of famous chefs. Famous yeah. chefs. Hugh Fernley Whittenstall apparently wasn't there for very long. I think he got fired <clears> quite quickly. But didn't Nigel Slater? Ni- was Nigel Slater in there? I don't know. Did, make, sure. did I make that but up? Jamie Oliver was. Yeah, Ben O'Donoghue was, was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so Theo Randall. Yes, Theo Randall. We love Theo Randall. Yes, you do. I know. <laughs> um, I've, I've never, I've never had the pleasure, but. Um, I think is uh, a brilliant chef. It's all the recipes that we yeah. featured. We have. I remember we did one a number of years ago. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and I've never been to the River Cafe. Um, it's quite pricey. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'd mean to go there one day. Maybe when they're doing their special truffle dinners. I've been. Oh yeah, of course you have. <laughs> uh, <coughs> it was amazing. Yeah, but it was. Yeah. But it was. I, I'm envious. But the recipe that I've used the most, ended up using the most from mm. there, is their. Um, nutmeg chicken recipe. Oh. So it's it's one I think that we've, I've mentioned in in the magazine in the past, um, but it's one of my favourite recipes. It's quite unusual to have uh, chicken with nutmeg, but it's such so delicious, so unusual. Everyone always loves it whenever I cook it. Mm. You know how heavy do you go on the nutmeg? Because nutmeg's quite a strong flavour, isn't it? It is, but it's only it's only on the outside, and 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 it's it's on the skin. Which of course is roasted, okay, yeah. um, but and it but it does it does you know flavour it. It doesn't flavour it heavily. So so you you rub a lemon over the skin, then rub in the nutmeg with the uh, with uh, salt and pepper as well, and you put uh, prosciutto in in the inside of the okay. of the chicken in the ham and the and the nutmeg makes an excellent flavour. You put wine in it too after the first yeah. little bit of cooking at the bottom. And you turn it over as well, so it actually washes off a bit of the nutmeg. But um, it's so delicious, absolutely beautiful. And what chicken. do you do with the prosciutto after you've cooked it? You just well, you eat, eat it. it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because it, it it sort of so crisps up a bit. It crisps up a bit. It fl- yeah, it flavors the the, yeah. the chicken from the inside. But you put mm. nutmeg in the cavity as well, of course. What like whole nutmeg? No, no, just powdered. Oh, okay. Well, 
Grated. Grated. Yes. I would never, never sully my kitchen with powdered nutmeg pre-bought. And can you buy it powdered? I don't yes, know. Yes, you can. can you? Yeah, I believe you can. In, in, in <laughs> not some, in my shop. In, in, no, not, not in your local <laughs> shop, I'm sure. Yeah. That sounds absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And kind of really, like, again, I think the thing that Italians are brilliant at is, is just taking really simple ingredients and making something quite spectacular out of them. Exactly. I mean, I think that's what their, their whole ethos seems to be about you know mm. another one of the recipes that I, that I really liked is their is their sea bass one and it's it's just potatoes olives and capers yeah really that's about it you know but it's it turns out such an amazing and what do you bake do you bake it or do yeah, you fry it you bake yeah. it. oh you bake yeah. it all together you bake it all together it's that amazing. amazing it is great and like I say, their other books are more complicated yeah but this this one's really all about simplicity. I think they wrote this one as a <clears throat> from memory, as a reaction to the fact that people had said, we love your recipes and we love River Cafe, but some of these recipes in the first couple of books are a little bit too too difficult, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, so this one was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's a be- it was a bestseller, wasn't it? Probably still is a bestseller now. Yeah, I'm sure it reason. is. And they brought out another one, R- uh, River Cafe Cookbook, Too Easy. See what they've done there. Too, too easy. And, um, but it was more easy recipe oh, okay and it's and it's excellent as well mm-hmm. um but this is divided into chapters the easy yeah. one the first one's bruschetta and and so it's just all these lovely things that you can put on bruschetta all very simple usually about two ingredients amazing and then um one of one of my other favorite recipes in it is just papa pomodoro yeah and I, like, i'm not keen in general on tomato soups um, I, I think I have too many memories of of, uh, of Heinz Heinz <laughs> soup moustache children at school, but they, but this are you slating the Heinz tomato soup? Heinz tomato soup moustache. All oh, right, not the tomato soup. Not itself. the tomato soup itself. Because we all know if you're ill, it's the best. thing It is the best thing. But it's something especially with a toasted cheese sandwich to dip in it. Tomato soup moustaches. Just yeah, that that put me off. You traumatized your childhood. So. Uh, but they, but that's such an amazing soup, and it's nice and thick as well. Because often find being served a bowl of soup as a meal in itself fairly disappointing. It's a bit disappointing for me. I never yeah. order it unless I thought it was going to be something spectacular. And well, you you have to have the best tomatoes as well to make yeah. that. I mean, they have to be. It, I imagine River Cafe get them flown over first class from, <laughs> from wherever in Probably, Italy. But I think canned tomatoes. But you then, of course, they're, uh, they're, a be, they're San Marzano. San Marzano. Oh. But then you can get them in all the supermarkets. You can. Yeah, and Which is and brilliant. and they are and they are really, yeah. you know, it's worth it. Yeah. You know? Well, I I see your amazing recipes, and I have gone completely the opposite way. I've gone quite super super simple. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is called Trattoria, and it's by Patricia Wells. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, she's one of Nigel Slater's, because I know you're a big fan. Yes, she's I one am. of Nigel Slater's favourite writers. Oh, right, OK. Um, she's an American um, who moved to um, Paris mm-hmm. um, and wrote an amazing book on bistro cooking. Right. And then um, the Trattoria is the sort of Italian equivalent of the bistro, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, family-run, rustic, um, Every, everything very kind of simple um, home cooking and she wrote a book about it and the reason I went to find this book on my bookshelf was because I was thinking about what m- one of my favourite Italian recipes is and it is um, it's basically spaghetti with tonnes of olive oil garlic and chilli as ah, in dried yeah. chilies now Lovely. there's several reasons for this one is I can cook it 
any time. I don't have to buy any ingredients for it. I've yeah. always got those ingredients. In yeah. fact, I'm a, I'm a little bit obsessed with um, dried chili flakes. And I've got a huge um, kilner jar mm-hmm. full of dried chili. And it regularly goes down to nothing yeah. because I kind of, I get a bit heavy with it. Nice. <laughs> um, and it, I can come in at any time of day or night and cook this recipe. Um, and it, it never fails to give me absolute pleasure because there's just something really satisfying about it and all you do is you a a really decent amount of um olive oil in a pan add um lots of garlic and your dried chili flakes and you cook it very very gently you sort of want the garlic to turn ever so slightly golden but you don't want it to burn because then it becomes bitter and you kind of want to give it time so the garlic oil starts to go out and infuse into the oil. The chili, the dried chili starts to kind of infuse into the oil. Mm-hmm. And then you get some, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be like top shelf dry pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, just really nice, decent dry pasta. Yeah. Um, boil it up. And what I do is I get my tongs mm-hmm. and I pull the pasta out of the pasta water straight into the chili garlic oil pan. Mm-hmm. So it just... It just adds a bit of water to yeah. it as well. Carries it with yeah. it. Yeah, just bit. toss it all yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Do what um, um, Patricia says, which is you just you kind of put a lid on just for a minute, just to kind of let the pasta just relax and sit in the oil. Yeah, um, and then plate it up, and it's just the most slippery, gorgeous mouthful of pasta. It absolutely never fails to hit the spot. It sounds amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, we did a, a recipe for that not that long ago, except with it was fresh hand-rolled pasta, didn't we? Now that... No, that was actually the other one that I have picked mm-hmm. out, which is um, Caccio e Pepe. Right. Which is very trendy at the minute. And yes. actually the first time I ever read about it was in Patricia's book. And this okay. came out in 1993, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a while ago. Um, and again, that is such a super simple Rome. Um, it's from Rome. Um it uses pecorino and black pepper um, and spaghetti, olive oil, nothing else. Right. And again, that is just a really lovely pasta and then combining it with the pepper and the pecorino at the end, giving everything a really good toss together with oil. And it's just, it's perfect because it's, you would think that having such simple ingredients, it would be bland, but it just gives, it's the harmony of the ingredients that yeah. bring it all together. And that, I keep seeing that recipe popping up online because I think it's just become super trendy but yeah. you know it's a, it's an ancient recipe and it's it's a standard for a reason but um but yeah the the rest of the book uh, really lovely recipes lots of like you know baked peppers caponata more pasta recipes than you'll ever need and all quite simple one or two ingredient um pasta recipes and i think um it's kind of a testament to the the simplicity of italian food that um you know it's still a really great book to read but um yeah that's my that's my choice for this week. Well, that's a great choice, and it, um, that's that sounds fantastic to me. Um, yeah. Can I can I have a shot of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have obviously hundreds of Italian recipes online, and we have a, an amazing cacio e pepe recipe, which, as Gregor said, starts with um, fresh pasta that you roll yourself, and that's a little bit of a challenge, but good good fun for a Sunday afternoon if you've got nothing else on. Yes, so, I mean, it's yeah. interesting that in, in that recipe that the challenge is the pasta yeah. and the sauce is very The sauce is just like, yeah. that's, you know, the end finished. So, yeah, yeah. so um, head to olivemagazine.com if you want to check them out. And um, thanks very much, Gregor. Thank you, Janine. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Please don't forget to go and review and rate us on iTunes. 
For more information on things we've discussed in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our new September issue now from newsagents or go and download the app version. Laura, the editor, will be back hosting next week. So see you then for more food and drink chat.